Welcome back to The Rollout. I'm Jeff Pratt, and joining me as always is Trent Henrich. How's it going, Trent? It's going well. Really excited to get into this episode. Absolutely, man. Today, we're going to be keeping things pretty light, and we're going to play some games. The first game we have today is Bust or Breakout. As the name suggests, Trent and I have each come up with a list of five players, and we're going to predict whether they'll be fantasy busts or breakouts this year. All right, I might as well kick things off. Trent, are you ready for the first player? Let's get into it. All right, at number one, I have Kenyon Drake. He's an interesting name this year. Uh, you know, coming into this fantasy season, or at least coming into this off season, I wasn't that high on Kenyon Drake, especially because I was a bigger fan of David Johnson in Arizona. So Kenyon Drake, I wasn't a huge fan of, and he played all right last season. He actually you know, overperformed my expectations. Uh, I think going into this season, I think he has a lot more potential to break out as a player than to be a bust, just like, you know, where he set up a young uh, second-year quarterback. He should get a lot of touches. So in that sense, I think that he has good potential to be a breakout. And, you know, I, I like what he brings to the table. I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go with breakout more than bust. I'm not sure it's going to be like, you know, a huge breakout, but I think his numbers are going to improve from what you've seen in the past. And, you know, we never really saw Kenyon Drake, you know, on a good team. He had a poor uh, offensive line when he was running uh, for the Dolphins. Now that he has a stronger offensive line, he's on a stronger team with the Cardinals. I think he'll definitely succeed. And I consider him a breakout this year. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think this is definitely one where it could go either way. And I think I lean towards having him be a breakout as well. But there's absolutely bust potential, especially when you consider where he's being taken, which is usually in the mid to late second round of drafts. Now, Kenyon Drake, this is a player that, as you said, Trent, really didn't show much for the first half of the season until he was traded to Arizona. And then he had a couple of really big games. I think he had three games where he was up around near 200 total yards from scrimmage. Uh, but the, what people don't really realize when they look over those numbers is that he had three or four games where he was just at less than 50 rushing yards total. So he really was hit or miss last year. I know people have great expectations for him. And I am going to go with breakout. But as you said, Trent, I think it's going to be a slight breakout. I just love his potential in this offense. Cliff Kingsbury is going to have so much fun working with these weapons this year in Arizona. And I think he's going to benefit from playing with a guy like Kyler Murray, who, as I said earlier in other podcasts, I think is going to be playing at an MVP level. He's also going to benefit from having guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Larry Fitzgerald, Christian Kirk stretching the defense. I just think he's going to have plenty of opportunities to prove himself. If he can get 15, maybe 18 touches in that realm per game, I think he's going to be set up to have a good year. And fantasy-wise, I feel like Kenyon Drake would be more of you know a breakout name if he wasn't getting drafted so high. And it's tough for me because he's always being considered in this second tier with guys like Derrick Henry, who had a monster season last year compared to Kenyon Drake. And it's, it's, it's just tough for me to, to see him that highly, but I understand you know, the situation he's in is as good as you know, guys like Joe Mixon and, and Josh Jacobs. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I don't know if he's quite on Derrick Henry's tier. Derrick Henry's really in a weird place where, in my opinion, he's after, you know, He's after that second tier of Kamara and Cook. I really think those guys are on another level. They're not quite with the Saquons, Zeeks, 
and Christian McCaffrey's. But then Derrick Henry, you look at the guys who are getting taken after him. In my rankings, I believe I have Joe Mixon and Josh Jacobs right there. Derrick Henry's really in a weird spot. And then I have Kenyon Drake after that clump. But as you said, he's still getting taken really high. You know, mid to late second round of drafts, you are expecting a secure RB1. And Kenyon Drake definitely has the type of potential, but I wouldn't say it's a guarantee. So it's definitely something to keep an eye on. Yeah, I mean, ADP 14 right now for Kenyon Drake. I'd be a lot more comfortable calling him a breakout if he was getting drafted, you know, in the 20s, even if it's the early 20s, 2021. I would just feel more comfortable in that sense. Um, But I'm excited to see what Kenyon Drake produces this season. Absolutely. He's definitely a bit of an unknown. We don't know how he's going to handle a significant workload on a good team. Absolutely. All right, Trent. So why don't you get into your first player then? Yeah, so the first guy I want to propose to you as a bust or a breakout is Latavius Murray. Mm, okay. Can I go with neither, if we're being honest with you? Because I think we've really seen what Latavius Murray can do. He's going to be a guy that when Alvin Kamara inevitably misses a game or two because of injury, it was obviously a couple more than that last year because he struggled to stay on the field. Latavius Murray is going to step in. He's going to have a huge week. We saw it in uh, New Orleans last year. We saw it in Minnesota a couple of years ago when Dalvin Cook and Jarek McKinnon were hurt. Uh, he's really just a guy that will step in and is a threat to put up 25-plus points per week. I mean, the dude is a monster. He's arguably the best true backup running back in the NFL. I just can't say whether he's going to be a breakout or a bust. I wouldn't say he's a bust because I don't know exactly what his ADP is, but I can't imagine it's very high considering he's the second running back. But I can't say he's a breakout because I think Alvin Kamara really does have a vice grip on this Saints backfield. So it's, it's difficult for me. I can't really lean a specific way. What about you, Trent? Well, if you had to lean, where do you go? For, so for reference, his ADP is 112, which, okay. is, which is running back 43. 43? You know, I, I'd have to go breakout then. And I don't think it's a big breakout, but if I'm not mistaken, wasn't he around the RB25 range last year, Trent? I think he was somewhere in there. So I'll look that up. I, I think he did start four games last year, too. He started a couple games, and in those games he started, he looked really good. Yeah, he was RB28 last year. Just yeah. And if he's being drafted at RB45, I'll go ahead and say breakout. Yeah, so I, I chose to bring Latavius Murray up because I think he can have more of an impact in this offense than people believe. I mean, he showed when he gets the touches how good he can be. And in past offenses, like when he was in Oakland, he showed that he's a very good running back. I think Latavius Murray, I mean, we know this offense can work with a two running back set. Mark Ingram and Alvin Kamara, when they were both on this team, they had a season where both were top six running backs. Um, So knowing that, I know that there is a situation where with Latavius Murray could get a lot larger workload than people believe. Now, I'm not saying Latavius Murray is going to be the Mark Ingram in that scenario, but I think that he can put up a lot stronger numbers than RB43, and that's why I, I brought it up, and I'm going to go with breakout for Latavius Murray. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely fair. Uh, I do like that comparison. He and Mark Ingram are actually very similar players there run hard they're not afraid to go through guys and I will say that his ceiling isn't quite what Mark Ingram's was because at one point Mark Ingram was the starter for this team and I don't think we'll ever see that with Latavius Murray but you know just for the fantasy sake I'd love to see him get eight to ten carries a game I think he could do some serious damage with that honestly I think that's definitely reasonable I mean 
Alvin Kamara is the, you know, sole receiving back, and he's a starting running back. But, you know, he's a, he's a great goal line guy, so he could see just, you know, three to four touches goal line. I mean, who knows? But I, I, I do think, I mean, we could see, respectively, seven or eight carries a game and maybe a catch or two from Latavius Murray this season. Yeah, for sure. I think those are reasonable numbers. All right, so moving on. I have a guy who I'm pretty sure we both have the same answer to this, but we had to include him when talking about busts and breakouts is Hayden Hurst. Yeah, Hayden Hurst is an interesting guy. Um, he's actually kind of near, at least for ADP-wise, he's near Latavius. He's ADP 105, tight end 11. And for a tight end standpoint, I think he's a lot better than tight end 11. I think he's, he should be drafted ahead of guys like Jared Cook. And, you know, he's in, like you said, we're both going to have a similar answer. He is in the ideal situation here. I mean, Hayden Hurst is in an offense where they throw the ball a ton. They're, they're a throw-first offense in Atlanta. And we know what Austin Hooper did last year in this situation. And I think Hayden Hurst can put up similar consistent numbers in this Atlanta offense. So I definitely lean towards a, a breakout season for Hayden Hurst. Yeah, I'm with you 100%. When you look at the Atlanta Falcons, they lead the NFL in vacated targets this offseason with the loss of Austin, with the losses of Austin Hooper, Devontae Freeman, and Muhammad Sanu. And while Calvin Ridley and Julio Jones, I think they'll benefit from that and they'll see an even bigger workload. I do think that uh, Hayden Hurst is in the perfect situation, Trent. We've been saying this for weeks now, but we, it's important to state it again. Hayden Hurst, you look at a guy like Austin Hooper, who, in my opinion, isn't even that talented, but he racked up 70-plus catches in his last two seasons for this Falcons offense. Dan Quinn and Matt Ryan love getting their tight ends involved in the passing game. Hayden Hurst, he was a first-rounder for a reason. Unfortunately, he was stuck behind Nick Boyle and Mark Andrews in Baltimore's depth chart. Now that he's moved to Atlanta, has the opportunity to step in as potentially Matt Ryan's number three target. He has huge breakout potential. Yeah, absolutely. I couldn't have said it better. Yeah, all right, Trent. So who's your second guy? So my next bust or breakout player is T.Y. Hilton. Okay, and I'm going to go with a breakout for this. And I don't remember if we've talked about Hilton. I don't think we've talked about Hilton this much on our podcast. Initially, I wasn't that high on him heading into the season. But then I did a little bit more digging. And you look at who was Phillip Rivers, who is the new Colts quarterback, a favorite target over the last couple of years, Trent. I mean... It would have to be Keenan Allen. It would have to be Keenan Allen. And Keenan Allen racked up 97-plus catches in each of his last three seasons. When healthy, he's been a force. Now, I'm not saying T.Y. Hilton is Keenan Allen. By no means, I don't think they're on the same talent level. But I do think T.Y. Hilton is a very good receiver. Not going to say he's elite. Maybe he was a couple of years ago. He's definitely a little past his prime now. But he is a very talented receiver. And if he can even pick up, let's say, three-fourths, of, the, of what uh, Keenan Allen's workload was, he's going to have a really good year. I'm pretty sure he's being drafted in the fifth or sixth round of drafts right now. You can pick him up. He could be a dark horse wide receiver one candidate. Yeah, he's ADP 53 right now. And for me, I, I do think, especially compared to his last season, you have to say T.Y. Hilton is going to be a breakout. Last year for T.Y. Hilton, was one of his, it was his most disappointing season up to this point. Uh, you know, the quarterback situation was iffy. Coming into this year, 
I mean, he's going to have Philip Rivers, who is a strong veteran quarterback. He also has no one challenging for touches. And their running back situation is kind of up in arms. I mean, they did draft Jonathan Taylor, but now there's no preseason. So I don't know who's going to actually start week one. They're going to be figuring stuff out there. And I think Philip Rivers is going to, uh, or T.Y. Hilton is going to become uh, Philip Rivers' favorite target. And he's going to see a boatload of targets this season. Yeah, absolutely. And when you look at T.Y. Hilton, as you mentioned, Trent, he had probably the worst year of his career, or at least the most disappointing last year. And the most concerning thing there was injuries. He just could not stay on the field. So I think reality, in reality, that's the only thing holding him back this year. If he's healthy and on the field, he's really the only veteran option in the receiving core for Philip Rivers, who we know loves his vets. He loves his Keenan Allens, his Mike Williams. He likes the older guys. And I do think Indianapolis has a couple of really good young receivers in Paris Campbell and Michael Pittman Jr., who they just drafted, but they're not ready yet. This is still T.Y. Hilton's team. This is still his receiving core, and I think he'll benefit from that this year. I agree. All right, so moving on. Brandon Cooks. Brandon Cooks is a guy I am very high on. Um, I like him more than Will Fuller, at least drafting this season. I like what he brings to the table. Being being a wide receiver who's shown that he can put up a thousand yard seasons. He, I think, other than last year, he did it four straight seasons. So he's proven, you know, that he can be a borderline wide wide receiver one for a quarterback. And he's in a situation in which he has some competition for targets, but I think he, I think this is where he can get utilized most as a quarterback's top wide receiver. When he was in, you know, uh, with the Rams, he had to compete with Robert Woods, Cooper Cup, whoever it was, and the Saints. He, he's always been competing with other very good wide receivers. And nothing against Will Fuller. Will Fuller is a good wide receiver. But he's more of a big play guy. I think that uh, he, he's put in a situation where he's definitely going to go for a breakout season, in my opinion. The only question mark is, you know, how quickly can he create a strong relationship with Deshaun Watson? But once that's established, I don't think anything's going to hold back Brandon Cooks other than possible injury. Yeah, and you mentioned it at the end there, Trent. I do think really the only thing that can hold Brandon Cooks back from having possibly a career year is an injury. Is he able to take a hit without sustaining another concussion? Is he able to avoid picking up these ticky-tack injuries that have really plagued his career to this point? Brandon Cooks, as you said earlier, he actually has had five straight years with a thousand plus yards prior to last season which obviously he disappointed in and he didn't stay on the field for that long but Brandon Cooks he's an extremely talented receiver and arguably he might be in the best position or the best situation to succeed of his career yes he's had he's been catching balls from guys like Tom Brady and Drew Brees but he hasn't been the clear-cut number one guy in this offense and I think in Houston he has the chance to be that guy, as you said, Trent. So I'm with you. I think he has huge breakout potential. We know he has top 10 or top 15 PPR potential. He can get there again. Yeah, that's true. All right, so uh, I'll let you go ahead and go next then, Trent. Yeah, so for my next bust or breakout, I want to propose to you is Tom Brady. Is he going to be a bust or a breakout? Oh, man. Ah. For where he's being drafted and where people are, are saying he could go, I mean, I just to throw something out there that's not fantasy-related, I think I saw Maurice Jones-Drew state that Tom Brady was easily going to pass 
for more than 55 touchdowns this year, which I think is absolutely insane at this stage in his career. This is not a pan and man and going to Denver situation. Yes, Tom Brady threw over 600 balls for the first time in a couple of years last year, but his yards per attempt dropped significantly. I believe it was 6.6, and that's because he's targeting guys like James White and Julian Edelman. I know, and he has great players, but I just can't help but think he has much more bust potential than breakout potential. Yes, he could have a phenomenal year. I don't see him putting up the numbers that Maurice Jones-Drew was saying a couple of days ago. I think he could maybe finish in the range from quarterback three to quarterback six. But you look at where he's being drafted. You look at people saying he could finish as high as QB3, QB4, QB5. I don't see that. I think he has more bust potential. And just for that reason, I'm going to have to say the GOAT is going to be a bust. But I don't want to see it. See, for me, I think if – I guess it depends how you look at it. I think career-wise, this may look like a bust year. But if you compare it to last season, I think it's going to be a breakout year. Last season uh, was arguably one of uh, of Brady's most disappointing. Uh, He exited uh, in the wild card weekend for the first time. Maybe his career. I don't know if he's lost as a starting quarterback in wild card weekend. Um, His QB rating was 88, which was like his second or third lowest in his career. Uh, He only had 24 touchdowns, meaning his numbers were really down last season. In comparison to last season, I definitely think he's going to break out, especially with the weapons he now has around him. And I think that having the goal of possibly winning a Super Bowl in uh, the, the stadium or the city in which you are currently playing for not many people actually get a legitimate opportunity in doing that. So having that opportunity, I think, will really drive Tom Brady to try to win one more championship. He has all the weapons and the tools to get there. So I'm actually, I'm actually going to lean towards breakout. Uh, and even though you went bust, I think I'm going to go breakout. Yeah, you know, I can't really argue with you there. And I'm hoping you're right for his sakes. Obviously, I don't necessarily want to see them in the Super Bowl because I want to root for my Pats. But uh, I think that he definitely is in a great situation to break out. And I think really the question for Tom Brady, as you mentioned, he had probably the most disappointing year of his career last season. We have to question with, is that the new normal for Tom Brady? Or is it just a product of the environment and the lack of weapons he had? That is a huge question that only time will answer as we go forward and look at Tom Brady's career. Yeah, and I think the, the promising thing from last season is to take away going into this season is that he had his most pass attempts in the last uh, four seasons last year with 613. So knowing that and going into a system where he has a lot more targets, a lot, lot more legitimate, you know, wide receiver one, wide receiver two targets than he's had in the past. I think that's pretty promising for this Tampa Bay team uh, and, and Brady's potential going into this season. Yeah, absolutely. I can't argue with you there. All right. So moving on, my fourth player is David Johnson. David Johnson's a tough one. Do you know his ADP, Jeff? Um, I will look that up for you right now. But off the top of my head, I do believe his ADP is in the late third to early fourth round. Okay. Yeah, David, I, I think, and this is, this is the same thing as almost like Brady's, David Johnson had arguably the worst year of his career last season. I mean, uh, 
he was up and down, and then they just they decided to bench him all of a sudden. The Cardinals, when they brought in Kenyon Drake, even though David Johnson wasn't really putting up bad numbers at the beginning of last year, and he rode the bench realistically. I mean, that, that's what happened to David Johnson. And now he's going to a team in Houston where they moved uh, Deshaun Watson, the number one target for him. So now that David Johnson's in this new system in Houston, he's he's probably the, 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 he's, he is the go-to guy on the ground. He's going to see a ton of touches. And offense where Carlos Hyde ran for over 1,000 yards last season. So if you're telling me Carlos Hyde can run for over 1,000 yards with a, with a solid O-line, then David Johnson should be looking at you know, probably 15, 1,600 yards. I mean, it, it, that sounds absurd, but, I, I mean, it, he is in a, a, a place where he could really succeed this year. So I want to lean towards breakout, um, unless you're comparing it to, you know, early on in his career where he was arguably the number one running back in the NFL for a while, especially PPR formats. Um, but definitely in comparison to last season, I see him breaking out. Yeah, you know, I couldn't have said that better myself. Uh, one thing I would like to address is I don't think there's any way he gets even close to 1,500 or 1,600 yards. But I do understand what you were saying there and just trying to make your point about if Carlos I can get 1,000 yards, David Johnson could easily do it. I think uh, I'm with you. I think he has enormous breakout potential. We know David Johnson. He was that guy. The question is, can he get back to that? He did look a little slow last year. Wasn't necessarily as agile, but the man is still a machine. Uh, obviously, a very mysterious situation. We don't even really know what happened with Arizona. Uh, we don't know if he was injured. He seems to think, or he's been stating, that he wasn't injured the entire time. And Arizona just decided to bench him for some reason. But as you said, I'm pretty sure he was a top 10 fantasy running back through the first four weeks before that happened. So we know David Johnson, when he's healthy and when he can get on the field, is a workhorse. He's a dominant player. Bill O'Brien said that he wants to use him as a three-down back this year in some instances. I tend to believe him as much of a clown as Bill O'Brien is. I just think David Johnson is in for a big year. Yeah, I mean, of course I'm not legitimately saying that David Johnson won't run for 1,500 yards. It's, I mean, that's definitely an exaggeration. But I, I think Carlos Hyde didn't even start every game last season. And He's kind of dropped off like as a running back like no one was even talking about him last season. I didn't realize he even put up over 1,000 yards. So knowing that, if David Johnson finds a way to go under 1,000 yards, then I think David Johnson's I mean, career in the NFL could be coming to a, an abrupt end because every, I mean, he's, he's going to get a great opportunity this year. That was very well put. I have nothing to add on that. I agree with you 100%. All right, so for uh, my next player, uh, do you think Stephon Diggs will be a bust or breakout this season, Jeff? Breakout. You know, I've been preaching this for a long time. I don't understand the hate about Stephon Diggs this year. I mean, look at the numbers he was able to put up as arguably the number two option in Minnesota with Kirk Cousins throwing him the ball. I understand the concerns about Josh Allen's accuracy, but I would like to state, as I brought up earlier, the reason why his accuracy uh, and his tar- – I believe his uh, accuracy rate was so low. It was because the the Buffalo Bills led the league in drop rate last year. So he really hasn't had much talent to work with. I think this is a match made in heaven for this offense. Josh Allen finally gets his legit wide receiver one. And uh, Stephon Diggs gets a guy who can really throw the ball deep. And that's where Stephon Diggs excels. 
He's a burner. He's able to consistently beat secondaries for the long ball. Kirk Cousins didn't have the best long ball in the NFL, and yet uh, Diggs consistently was beating guys last year. I just love this potential. Are there going to be games where Diggs disappoints? Absolutely. Maybe Josh Allen isn't on that week, or maybe Diggs is getting double teamed all the time. But I do think he's going to have a monster year from a total points and yardage perspective. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, for me, it's it's pretty simple to put into terms. He's going from a Minnesota team where I personally believe he was the number two option behind Adam Thielen and from a quarterback who I think is far less talented uh, in Kirk Cousins than Josh Allen. So he's going to become Josh Allen's number one target. Josh Allen's a more talented quarterback, in my opinion. Uh, so I, I think it's it's pretty simple that he's in the place to be a breakout. He's also, I think, getting valued kind of low in drafts this season. I think he's going in the 50s, roughly. Uh, let's see. Yeah, I think he's going in the 50s. Or actually, 64 is Stephon Diggs' ADP right now on Fantasy Pros. So, I mean, I think Stephon Diggs is far better than wide receiver 27 coming into the season. And I'm going to be drafting him when you don't draft him, Jeff. Yeah, absolutely. I'll tell you this. Between you and me and the drafts uh, in our leagues, Trent, he is not falling past the sixth round. That's for sure. If either of us can get him in the sixth round, that's a huge steal. Absolutely. All right, so moving on from my final Buster breakout guy, I have the hometown kid, Nikhil Harry. Yeah, Nikhil's a tough one. Um, I think, I personally think he was going to be a better fit with Jarrett Stidham at quarterback. I felt like the two young guys were starting to build a connection with each other and that, you know, they, they would come in and become more of a, a dynamic duo. But with Cam Newton presumably being the starting quarterback week one for this Patriots offense, I think he's going to lean a lot on any veteran guys he can. I think Julian Edelman's going to see a ton of targets this season, as long as Cam Newton's a quarterback. I don't think Cam Newton's going to be the same Cam as old, running the ball a lot. So he's still going to have to throw to some guys. Um, and possibly based on um, Nikhil Harry's ADP, he may outperform that because I think he's getting drafted pretty low in most drafts. But at least being from New England, um, there's a lot of hype around Nikhil Harry and what his expectations are coming into the season. And I think he may disappoint on those standards just because he may not get the opportunity to. Um, but on the bright side for Nikhil Harry, historically, um, guys who are uh, a top or who get drafted as a wide receiver in the first two rounds, who I think it's below 40 catches uh, in their freshman season in the NFL, come back in their sophomore season and they almost double uh, the amount of catches they get. So I, 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 can, I can realistically see Nikhil Harry doing well, but I think with Cam Newton at quarterback rather than Jarrett Stidham, he's going to be more of a bust than a breakout. That's fair. I, I will disagree, and I think that's a cool stat uh, that you said. I wasn't aware of that trend, but that's definitely interesting. Um, I'm going to throw a name out here because you did make good points, and we do need to wrap this up and move on to the next segment eventually because we've taken a lot of time on this. I'm just going to throw a name out here that I think a lot of people are overlooking. And, yes, Cam Newton didn't have a lot of talent to work with at the wide receiver position, but I think Nikhil Harry has some similar traits of one of Cam Newton's favorite targets. And I know this guy's a meme, 
and I know he's not great, but I will say that he was Cam Newton's arguably favorite target when he was on the team, besides Greg Olson. Greg Olson was in a different category. Kelvin Benjamin and Nikhil Harry, very similar traits. Benjamin was obviously bigger than Nikhil Harry. He's a big dude. They're not necessarily the fastest, but they're dominant 1v1 in the air. They have large catch radiuses. I'm not saying Nikhil Harry is Kelvin Benjamin by any means, but I think he could play a similar role. They could have a similar connection. I do think that Cam Newton and Nikhil Harry, who have been working out quite a bit, by the way, this offseason, could have a better connection than you're giving them credit for, Trent. That's all I'm going to say. Yeah, we'll see. I, I mean, I, I did see that um, Nikhil Harry and Newton have been working out. I just don't know. Um, you know, if, if Nikhil Harry, let's say, comes in week one and, and doesn't perform up to Cam Newton's expectations, I don't think Cam Newton will have a lot of patience um, knowing he needs to win and or, or, or just perform as well as he, uh, as he can for himself, just to set him, himself up for the future. I think he'll really lean on veteran guys when he can this season. But I do like Nikhil Harry a lot, and I hope he does better than I believe. Yeah, that's fair. The one thing that I would say to counter that is I don't think Cam Newton can afford to be thinking about guys he's going to throw the ball to or not throw the ball to and who he doesn't have patience for because he still has to compete for that starting job. It's not a given. Bill Belichick has stated over and over again that this is not Cam Newton's job to lose at this point. It's more his job to win. Well, I'm just saying that you know, based on if, if, if um, Cam Newton was to go back to see how these guys performed last season, he'd he'd be a lot better off throwing to Julian Edelman than he would Nikhil Harry. Fair enough. Yeah, I can't argue with that. All right, Trent, why don't we get on to your next guy? Yeah, so uh, I think the last guy of the segment and my last guy uh, from, from my five buster breakout is Tyler Higby. Okay, this one's definitely, uh, I think we're going to disagree on this. I do think Tyler Higby is going to break out. I think we saw how the Rams are going to use him this year in the last five or six games last season. They run, they're going to run a lot of 12 personnel, which is going to help Higby out in a huge way, and I think is going to hurt Cooper Cup. Uh, and then we'll get to Cooper Cup a little bit later. I think he'll appear in the next segment. Um, but I just think Higby, you know, with the loss of Brandon Cooks, yes, Robert Woods, and maybe even Cooper Cup are going to take another step forward, although I don't think it's really possible for Cup to do that. I do think Woods has a great year. Higby, in my opinion, is going to step up as the clear number three target in this team, especially maybe Jared Goff's favorite red zone target. I think this is going to be a big year for him. I'm not saying he's going to be like mess around and be a top three tight end, but he definitely has top five potential if what we saw last season at the end of the year is how they're going to use him. So the tough thing for me with Tyler Higby is, yes, I agree that um, he is very good in this 12-man offense that you're talking about. Um, but I think we're looking past the fact that Gerald Everett is a really, really good tight end. And when Tyler Higby broke out at the end of the last season, let's say anything from week 10 forwards, that's when Gerald Everett was injured and was not on the field. Prior to that, Jared Everett had four games of eight catches or more. He had couple. He had one game with 136 yards. Jared Everett is a legit tight end, and when he's healthy and on the field, he's definitely going to take away from Tyler Higby, and that's what we didn't see at the end of last season. We did see Cooper Cup's numbers go down and Tyler Higby's numbers go up, but at the same time, that other guy who was really fighting directly with targets with Tyler Higby and Gerald Everett, 
um, wasn't on the field. That's why I think that Tal Higby's expectations are too high going into this season. I think he's like uh, his his pre-draft may be as high as like tight end eight um, or even higher. It could be seven. I'm not, I'm not exactly sure. I can look it up here quickly. Uh, let's see. Tyler Higby is yeah. He's pre-draft eight um, for tight ends. I just think that's too high with a legitimate uh, second tight end on, on this offense. That's why I'm going to go with bust for Tyler Higby this year instead of breakout. Yeah, that's fair. The one thing I would say is, you know, I do like Jared Everett, and I think he's a great talent, but I don't think – I'm not ready to say he's a legit tight end yet because he hasn't consistently proven that he can put up those numbers. Yes, he'll put a string together every now and then where he'll have a couple of great weeks. As you said, what, he had like about 150 yards one week or near that, maybe over it. He's definitely a really good player, but I do think that Tyler Higby is a different type of tight end that helps this Rams team more. Than, top, than Gerald Everett will do. So that's all I'm going to say on that. Uh, I do think I do agree with you that the hype around Tyler Higby is not ridiculous, but it's much more than you would expect for a tight end who didn't really do much in his career up until last year for the second half of the season. Yeah, and, and I think that to, to counteract the consistency part is Tyler Higby wasn't consistent until week 10 when Gerald Everett got hurt. Before that, he had between one and five catches every week, um, but he did. He really only, only put up over 30 yards twice. So he wasn't really consistent until Jared Everett wasn't on the field. So when they're both on the field, I just I think they both fight for targets too much, and neither can be consistent week in and week out. Yeah, that's fair. I do think there is a correlation with the Rams running more 12 personnel as we've stated, I do believe that they started to do so around week 13 and on, and that's when Tyler Higby really started to dominate. Uh, so I do think Bell personnel, if the Rams decide to run that, and Sean Ruffay, which I do think they will, it benefits Higby a lot more than it benefits um, Everett. But yeah, Trent, I mean, I'll agree with you. I do think the hype is a little unwarranted for Tyler Higby, or at least people are going a little extreme. I do think he has a ton of potential, though. Yeah, I mean... And the thing is, Gerald Everett hasn't played in that new system yet, so we don't know if Gerald Everett could honestly be the centerpiece because he was the primary tight end target uh, in the earlier part of last season until he got hurt. So we really, we, I, I, I'm not even sold on Tyler Higby being the number one tight end target on this team just because going into last season, it was Everett until he got hurt. So going into the season, I mean, it could be Higby. It honestly could be Everett. Like, I, I really don't know. That's why I'm just going for Buzz, just because of, you know, I think Tyler Higby is tight end, like I said, eight, and Everett's tight end 30. I, I honestly rather have Everett ha- at his ADP um, because I think there's higher upside there. Yeah, that's fair. I can't really argue with you there. All right. So this was a fun segment, and we're going to move on to our se- second segment, which is going to move a little bit quicker uh, than the last one. It's going to be called Pick or Pass. As the name suggests, in this game, we will state a player and their current ADP or average draft position, and then decide whether we would draft them at their current ADP or pass on them. Trent, are you ready for the first player? Let's do it. Travis Kelsey in round two. I'm picking Travis Kelsey in round two. I, I've started to uh, really like um, drafting a tight end early or, or getting one of those top-tier tight ends. I think it makes a big difference uh, on your fantasy teams. I feel like every year, the guys who win it all have a top five tight end 
by the end of the season. So I like Travis Kelsey a lot, and I think his numbers are actually going to even increase this year. So definitely pick Travis Kelsey in the second round. That's fair. Uh, I'm going to disagree just because I have a completely different draft strategy, and I usually don't even think about taking a tight end until round six. You know, if you're going to take a tight end in the first two rounds, Travis Kelsey's your guy. He's a phenom. He ended up on my team last year in our league, and I, and I did end up winning the championship partially thanks to him. As you said, Trent, he's definitely an important guy to have on your roster. If you're going to make a push, he's going to be really consistent. Uh, but I would just stay away from him in round two just because of personal preference on how I like to draft tight ends. That's fair. Yep. So who's your next guy? Or who's your first guy? I'm sorry. Yeah, my first guy uh, is Cam Akers in the sixth round. Would you like to pick or pass on Cam Akers? I am going to take Cam Akers uh, in the sixth round. I don't think Darrell Henderson is a threat really to Akers. I think this is Akers' job to lose. At this point, and we look at what Todd Gurley was capable of in this offense. Yes, Cam Akers is no Todd Gurley. He doesn't have that kind of potential, but he still has the potential to be not their workhorse, but see consistently 10 to 15 touches per game. And when you're hunting for running backs, you look in the late rounds, which, as you said, he's in the sixth round. You're looking at guys who can see consistent volume. I think Cam Akers fits the bill. Yeah, I'm actually going to pass on Cam Akers. Uh, who was the head coach of the freaking Rams, Jeff? Sean McVay. Sean McVay, yeah. He he came out and said the other day that he would be willing to start any of these guys. He he is into um, a running back by committee system. They have Malcolm Brown, um, who you know had 70 rushing attempts uh, last season as Gurley's backup. He also had five touchdowns. So I think he's still a legit running back that we don't even talk about. People like Darrell Henderson a lot. They still have John Kelly, and like we said, we they drafted Cam Akers. So I'm just not huge uh, on Cam Akers in the sixth round. I'm just not huge on this running back, um, you know, whatever's going on in this running back field in general. Yeah, that's fair. I just don't think there's a ton of risk for taking Cam Akers in the sixth round, but I understand that. Yeah, so who do you have for your next guy? All right, I have Chris Godwin in the late second round. I think... Or honestly, I'm pretty sure he – I know his ADP is technically late second round uh, on Fantasy Pros, but I've seen him go much earlier than that. So let's just say second round. I'd probably pass on Chris Godwin in the second round just because there are so many targets uh, for this Tampa Bay offense. And I don't want to really try to guess this year who's going to be that that benefits most from Tom Brady being at quarterback. I don't know how much Rob Gronkowski is going to take away from Mike Evans – from Chris Godwin, and I, I do think Ronald Jones is going to play a lot bigger role this season. Um, so I'm going to pass on Chris Godwin in the second round. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think, for me, the fantasy wide receiver I want in this offense uh, is Mike Evans, just because Chris Godwin, you're paying too much of a price to take him. Uh, in reality, we have no idea who Tom Brady is going to favor. It could definitely be Mike Evans. It could be Chris Godwin. But in reality, we just don't know. And for that reason, I can't spend a pick that that's high on Chris Godwin. No, that's fair. All right, Trent, so who's your next guy? Yeah, my next guy uh, for pick or pass is going to be Darren Waller in the fifth round. Nope. Uh, Same reason for Kelsey. I just don't want to touch a tight end in the first five rounds. I consider it, you know, if he fell to six, but he rarely does. And for Waller, he had a phenomenal year last year, but he's due anything prior to that for I think what four or five or six seasons so 
there's a very good chance he could go back to being a nobody this year. Or not a very good, but, you know, there's a chance. And I just wouldn't risk taking a chance on him when I could be grabbing a flex in the fifth round. It's funny because you, you're the one who just said you won a, one of our leagues last year's, last year with a good tight end. So you realize how much of the factor that plays into it. Um, I understand not drafting one, but I, I guess I hope you're trading for one. I, I, I'm picking Darren Waller in the fifth round. I mean, he is basically Derek Carr's only legitimate returning target in this offense. Uh, last year, he had 117 targets, which I think is up there with the numbers of, of Kelsey and Kittle. He had 90 catches, almost 1,200 yards. I mean, I, I, I'm in on Darren Waller, especially in, in, in the fifth round. I've changed my draft strategy this year, and I, I want a tight end. I want. I don't have to worry about you know picking and plugging guys in at the tight end position. I just it's going to be a lot of risk this year, especially with with Corona. I want a, an established guy on my tight end slot. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, for me, I, I will gladly trade for a tight end. I traded for Travis Travis Kelsey this year, but I do believe, and I've made and won fantasy championships in the past. Uh, with guys that aren't necessarily top three tight ends. Or, and I do believe you can draft a guy late. Uh, options for me that are my favorites are Hunter Henry. Usually you can snag him in the seventh to even tenth round. Or Hayden Hurst in the ninth plus round. I think both of those guys have top ten potential. And for me, with my strategy of not really picking up tight ends until later, those guys fit the bill. I would not draft Darren Waller over a potential flex. But that's just me. Yeah, that's fair. Pretty up your next guy. All right, so I did mention we will be talking about Cooper Cup. I do have Cooper Cup in the fourth round. Yeah, I'm actually, this might come as a, as a surprise. I'm actually going to pass on Cooper Cup here. Um, you know what? I'm going to switch it up. I'm gonna <laughs> actually, you know what? I'm going to pick Cooper Cup. And it's, I, I've, I started to say I was going to pass on him because I'm starting to be higher on Robert Woods. Um, but really thinking about it, I think both of these guys are going to see a ton of targets. I mean, Jared Goff last season, or in seasons past as well, I think he, he's he's thrown the ball over 600 times. They have an unestablished running back core. I don't like what they have there. I think they're going to air it out a ton. I, I'm starting to lean towards drafting Robert Woods over Cooper Cup. That's why I was going to say to pass on Cooper Cup. But I think in in the fourth round, it's still a pretty good value for a guy that I know is going to get a ton of targets. So I'm going to pick Cooper Cup in the fourth round. Yeah, and I'm going to pass on him just for the reason you stated, Trent. I've been on the train of drafting Robert Woods over Cooper Cup for this entire offseason, pretty much when we started talking about fantasy. Um, And for Cup, I do think he's very talented. I think he could definitely see a ton of targets in this offense. But the reason I'm passing on him because you look at guys who are likely going to be on the board when you get that chance to take Cooper Cup in the fourth round. I'd rather have, let's say, Calvin Ridley, A.J. Brown, if he's still there, um, even D.K. Metcalf. Those are guys who, in my opinion, have higher upside than Cooper Cup this year, who I don't think is going to be the number one option for the Rams. But in the fourth round, I wouldn't hate it if you took him. I'd just rather have guys that are still going to be there, and that's why I'm passing on him. Do you think that guys like Calvin Ridley are going to have more targets than Cooper Cup, though? Uh, I never said that they were going to have more targets. No, that's just the question. It's Do I like, think they're going to have more targets? I have to see how many targets Cooper Cup had last year. Trent, can you Google that for me really quick? Yeah, I will get that for you. Uh-huh. I, I, 
initially I'd say probably not, but I do think Atlanta's offense is going to be much more high powered and Calvin really is a touchdown machine. I'm pretty sure he's had 17 touchdown touchdowns over his first two years in his career. And this Falcons offense only got more dangerous. So even if he doesn't see, let's say like 20 or 30 less targets than Cooper cup, I think he can make up for that in his big play in his big playability and his touchdown potential. Cooper Cup had 134 targets last year, and Calvin Ridley in his first two seasons had 92 and 93. So it looks like he's he's sticking around there while Julio Jones is around. Yeah, but Calvin Ridley also missed, what was it, four games last season? Three or four games? So he probably would have seen around 110, 115. I'm pretty sure he missed three or four games. Yeah, last, the year. Se- last season he did miss three games. Right? Yeah, so I'd say he'd probably be around 115. And if he's anywhere from 20 to 30 less targets, as I said, I'm going to take Ridley just because of his touchdown potential. And I believe in this Falcons offense more than the Rams. That's yeah, why. That, that's fair. That's definitely fair. Yeah. I, I, I like that. I just – I don't mind draft. Like it's, like you said, like you don't mind – like you don't mind it. I don't mind drafting Cooper Cup there. Um, I'm And I'm definitely drafting him if he drops to the fifth. Oh, absolutely. I take him in the fifth, for yeah. sure. As your flex, yeah, he has, he has a ton of potential as a flex. Yeah. So, yeah. Go, or go for it. No, I, I was just going to say uh, you go for it because you're up next. Yeah. Uh, so my next guy for picker pass is Michael Gallup in the seventh round. Nope. Oh, I'm going to pass on Michael Gallup just because I do think C.D. Lamb uh, emerges as this team's number two target halfway through the year at least. Um I know they're super high on C.D. Lamb. They're stoked that they were able to get him in the draft where they did. I think he fell to, what, 17 in the first round, which is absolutely ridiculous in my opinion. He was the third wide receiver taken off the board. when, In, in my opinion, he should have been the first or second behind Judy. Um, but I just love his potential in this Cowboys offense. That's C.D. Lamb I'm talking about. Michael Gallup, I think, has a chance of – he could be great. I believe he had over 1,000 yards last year. I just think that – he is the most likely guy that could fall and get lost between Amari Cooper, Michael Gallup, and C.D. Lamb and really drop down to the third wide receiver on this depth chart. And that's not to say he doesn't have potential, but I think I'd rather have other options at that point. Yeah, I'm not big on Michael Gallup this year either. Uh, there's a lot of guys uh, in his area, which I'd rather draft, that I think uh, aren't in as a crowded offense. And I honestly do think Michael Gallup there's a very good possibility, like you said, that he will drop to wide receiver three in this offense around halfway through the season. I think CeeDee Lamb's really going to come in to his own and uh, fit right in on this offense. So I'm, I'm going to pass on uh, Michael Gallup as well. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, so moving on to my fourth guy, we have Mark Ingram in the fifth round. Hmm, I th- I'm going to pass on Mark Ingram in the fifth round. Um, I, I think that the interesting thing for me uh, is that they they did draft um, – is A.J. Dillon? Um, no, they drafted J.K. Dobbins. Oh, J.K. Dobbins, that's right. J.K. Dobbins is, is a big prototypical running back, and I think he is going to come in and, and steal some touches from Mark Ingram, even in this rookie season. Mark Ingram was very touchdown dependent last year, and this is a, a run-first team, don't get me wrong, and Mark Ingram looked good, but he's also getting up there in age. And you don't spend um, a high draft pick like they did on J.K. Dobbins and not plan on using him. So that's why I'm going to pass on Mark Ingram in, in this, you said, fifth round, I believe. 
Yeah, I'm going to pass on Mark Ingram as well. And I do believe uh, that Baltimore came out and said that they were looking forward to running a four-headed monster at running back this year, which in my opinion doesn't bode well for any of their running backs, even as run-heavy as they are. For that reason, I'm going to pass on Mark Ingram. I think there are better options available in round five. Guys like David Montgomery, maybe even James Conner, who I'm not that high on, but I personally have over Mark Ingram, possibly even Devin Singletary. They're just better options at that point. Yeah, I totally agree. All right, so who's your next guy? My next guy is a bit deeper in the draft. Uh, I have for picker pass Henry Ruggs in the 10th round. Yeah, I'm absolutely picking up Henry Ruggs in the 10th round just because when you're looking at the late round of draft, you're taking guys who either they're a very solid floor, maybe like an Emmanuel Sanders whose ADP is in the 9th round, or you're taking guys who have a ton of potential, which is where Henry Ruggs falls in. As you mentioned, Trent, Darren Waller is the number one guy in this Raiders passing offense, but Henry Ruggs has the opportunity to step in and claim the number two spot and definitely could be the number one guy going forward for the next couple of years if he and Derek Carr are able to build a good rapport. I love his potential in this offense, even if I don't think he's the most talented receiver out of the first three guys that were taken this year. He's got a ton of big playability. I do think a guy like Tyreek Hill is his ceiling. They play very similarly. Yeah, I just like Ruggs this year in this Ram, in this not Rams, sorry, Raiders offense. Yeah, I'm the same way. I'm going to pick Ruggs in the 10th round. I think he has a really high ceiling. And I think we know that he is going to see targets this season. The Raiders don't have a choice. They really don't have many weapons other than Darren Waller uh, and Josh Jacobs out of the backfield. Someone has to step up and take a lot of passes from Derek Carr. And I think that will be Henry Ruggs. He looked really good in college. And like you said, he, he could have a ceiling like a guy like Tyree Kill. Uh, I don't expect that out of his first season, of course. But he's going to show some some real flashes this year, I believe. And uh, I'm dropping Henry Ruggs in the 10th round. Yeah, couldn't have said it better myself. All right, so moving on to my final player. We have Darius Geis in the 7th round. Yeah, I am passing on Darius Geis in the 7th round. For actually multiple reasons, Um, the injuries, he's just been so injury prone his first couple of years. It's really scary to take a guy personally in the seventh round, which is pretty high. He's going to be like your, maybe your backup running back, or he could even be your flex depending on what type of league or how you draft your team. Um, I I don't want Darius guys in that position. Uh, He definitely has, is, is a boom or bust player. I don't think they're really – he can just, like, you know, ride in the middle there. I think it's either he's going to outperform everything we expect from him or he's just going to get injured again or his body's not the same. And the other reason why I, I'm not huge on uh, Darius Geis, I actually like Antonio Gibson uh, and they all uh, on this Redskins team. I think he has a chance to steal the starting running back role midway through the season. And they still have Adrian Peterson – um, they have a lot of guys that um, are pushing for this starting running back job, and I just don't know if Darius Geis is going to get the job done. So I'm going to pass on Darius Geis. Yeah, I'm going to pass on him too. And as you said, he has all the talent in the world. But man, the injuries are concerning. He's missed his first two seasons, basically both of the, all of both of them, with I believe an ACL and an eight and an MCL tear. So his knees are really just really concerning, and that's the most important thing you have. As a running back, you need reliable reliable knees. Jesus, my words are not working today. Sorry about that. Um, you just asked Todd Gurley 
honestly, how his knees are holding up right now. They are so important for running backs' explosiveness. Um, and for that reason and the reasons that Trent mentioned earlier, all of them, including the fact that they have Adrian Peterson, Antonio Gibson, who I know Trent is really high on. I think he has a ton of potential. Guys like Bryce Love, they're going to be so many backs in this offense. If Darius, guys, even if he's healthy, he comes out, doesn't play that well. There are so many guys behind him that could be very easy for him to fall down the depth chart, even if he's able to stay on the field. Yeah, I totally agree with that. All right. Uh, so, Trent, why don't you uh, take us to the final guy of the segment? Yeah, so for that final guy, I went with Melvin Gordon the third. Uh, he's he's getting drafted uh, in the – he's at 37th ADP right now, so it's end of the third, early fourth, however you want to take it. Um, but would you pick or pass Melvin Gordon in that spot? Hmm. Probably at that spot in the late third slash early fourth, I probably have to pass on Melvin Gordon just because I know you have guys available like Le'Veon Bell, who I take over Melvin Gordon, maybe David Johnson. Those guys are guys who I think are available at that spot when you're picking for Melvin Gordon, who I would take over him. Uh, I do think Melvin Gordon has a ton of potential in this offense, but he still is going to compete with Philip Lindsay. People are just expecting Philip Lindsay to roll over, and I don't see that happening. He's fought off Royce Freeman for the starting job. Who knows? Maybe he could even fight off Melvin Gordon. I'm not expecting that to happen whatsoever, but Philip Lindsay is just not going to roll over. Melvin Gordon is going to have to fight for these touches, and he's in a pretty crowded offense. They have a lot of weapons, so who knows how they're going to utilize him. He is a free agent. This is a new team that he's on. We don't exactly know what his role is going to be. Hopefully he does end up being a workhorse and uh, earning his spot as a third-round or fourth-round pick but I'm going to have to pass on him. Yeah, I'm in the same spot with, with passing on Melvin Gordon. The only, way I, only, the only way I'm really picking Melvin Gordon this early third or end of the third, early fourth round is if our, the draft went running back heavy and he's the last guy you know on the board for a while and I still need an RB2 or maybe even a flex. But I'm actually, I, I actually think that Philip Lindsay is going to do a lot better than people think. I think he's he's a guy who's you know he's came from nothing. He's been fighting through adversity and proved people wrong uh, his whole career. And everyone's already writing him off and handing Melvin Gordon this job. And I don't think that's the case. A, a pro bowler doesn't just roll over and give some guy a job, especially a young guy like Philip Lindsay, who in his first two seasons has put up over a thousand yards. I mean, a thousand yard rushers just don't go away and. Even though Denver did add Melvin Gordon, I don't think they're just planning on not using Philip Lindsay. It's just I think people totally forget how good Philip Lindsay is and the impact he's had. Uh, you know, in Denver's success, uh, he's been a big role in it. So I, I think Dem- I think uh, Philip Lindsay is going to be a lot better than people think. I love that saying. I think we should put that on a T-shirt. Pro bowlers don't roll over. I love that. It's true, though. Yeah, no, it's true. Um, and, yeah, I mean, we're on the same boat. As I said, I don't believe Philip Lindsay's just going to roll over either. So I think Melvin Gordon does eventually win the starting job. But Philip Lindsay's not going to just go away. He's definitely going to be utilized as a change of pace back at the very least, probably with solid third down usage, too. So Melvin Gordon, if he's going to have to prove his worth as a late third slash early fourth pick, he's going to need to score a lot of touchdowns and be extremely efficient whenever he's handed the ball. And who knows, maybe they'll start to um, change the way Philip Lindsay plays 
and they may use him more of a receiving back. I mean, we know from when Melvin Gordon was on the Chargers that they used Austin Eckler as, you know, a change of pace back and really a receiving back. And, you know, Phil Lindsay isn't a, a, a poor receiving back. I mean, the last couple of seasons he's had 35 catches in both seasons. There's no reason why, you know, they couldn't give him more opportunities out of the backfield um, to get some catches. So uh, maybe they'll find a way to just keep using Phil Lindsay in this system. Yeah, I think they will too. As you said, Trent, pro bowlers don't roll over. That's right. Yeah. All right. And that's a wrap on this episode of The Rollout. We hope you enjoyed. And as always, we'll be back Thursday with another episode. Stay safe out there, everyone.